Poor child. Something wrong with her. Before she fell asleep, I tried to get her to talk. She didn't say a word. Not a word. But even in shock, the powers of speech aren't completely gone. It's as though she doesn't know how to talk. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey guys, I'm Terry. I like you used to like Strange Highways after dark. Like, I'm Terry. What's going on? Seductive. <laughs> How are you doing? Smooth jams with uh, the Serling in tow. Uh, now, so hope you guys enjoyed our conversation about uh, He's Alive. Uh, the content I hope you didn't enjoy because it was, a, it was you know, Hitler. Like I don't know how to how to specify that. Like it's hard to swallow. It was man. surprise it was, Hitler. But so, hopefully you enjoyed our our conversation about it. Yeah, and again, I hope you guys can forgive that I did not like post pictures from the episode. And yeah, I just feel like that was probably the right thing to do. But again, if this is one that you, if that episode was like something that you guys saw and thought it was of worth, show it to other people. It's worthy of discussion and conversation. And. I'm glad that we have to talk about it. Yeah, I'm proud of our conversation on that one. Yeah, and uh, you know, even even the dumb jokes I probably did make. Like I, I've not listened to myself, but I'm pretty sure I made some dumb jokes. Like, it's all good, man. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so uh, this episode is season four, episode five, mute. Uh, air date uh, January thirty first, nineteen sixty three. Uh, number one film, Lawrence of Arabia. Uh, again, we're probably gonna be with this film for a while. I feel like I should probably sit down and watch it. I don't think I've ever seen Lawrence of Arabia. I don't. So, like, I'm, I'm sure I haven't. I mean, it's like I don't know about like you. You talked about like growing up that a lot of there was like a lot of older staples that you and your family would watch. Right. Um. For for me, it wasn't Lawrence of Arabia, but my mom's favorite epic, and it was a two taper. It was a VHS that had two tapes. Right. Was uh, King of Kings. It was um. It was a '60s Jesus film that had Jeffrey Hunter as Jesus, which. Uh, people would know him as being Captain Pike from the Star Trek pilot, The Cage. Oh, okay. That was um, eventually used in the Glass Menagerie or whatever. No, the Menagerie, not Glass Menagerie. But yeah, like, and it, it's it's a good film. It's a good telling of the Jesus story, and it it follows him and um, oh uh, Barabbas, which was like a rebel leader or something. And it's a very big, big epic. It was one of the last big biblical epics. So I think of that from this time, and not like Lawrence of Arabia. So I, I don't think I've actually seen the film. No, I, I, I haven't. And I'm like one of those kinds of people where I'm like, I'm ashamed that I haven't seen it because a lot of these staples, I've never even seen Casablanca. I, I have, <laughs> um, but I, I watched it as part of a film history class in college. Mm. So that's been 20 years removed. And Casablanca is great and it is worthy of watching. And uh, I remember in that class, we ended up watching Citizen Kane as well, which a lot of people say is slow. I will agree. But it like... It feel it doesn't feel dated, which is a weird way to think. I think like there's a lot of modern storytelling in that film. So yes, there's a lot of blind spots for me too, and Lawrence of Arabia is one of them. 
But we could go all night about that. So yeah, if we had a podcast about films I've not seen, we it would never end. You know, and, so. and we'd get a lot of backlash. <laughs> well, like, what, what, okay, you're a horror fan. Like, what's the big, what's the big, uh, like, street cred that you're like, I've not seen this, and everyone's like, oh, you've not seen this. Jeez. Oh, um, hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, I, I have one. I'll just throw out here. Um, I've not seen any of the Phantasm films. I know Terry's walking out the door right now. You're going to hear slam. <laughs> and we're done. <laughs> well, we're no longer friends. The show's over. Thanks, everybody, for coming. I, all right. I have my own opinions about that. <laughs> you need to see the first one at least, dude. No, I, I do. I just, I just one of those things. I don't know why. I just never got to it. I don't. It's just, it's a blind spot. So yeah, I have them. I, I'll, I'll bring one up if I can think of it later. Okay, it'll be really you've out of seen, nowhere. You've seen so much, and then like all of a sudden you'll be like, but you know, say it real I'm, loud. I'm still trying to process this episode that we watched. So yeah, um, we'll get to yeah. Like it's almost as if I don't want to talk about it. It's weird. Uh, so it, for a, an episode called Mute. I don't know if I have much to say. That's that's just, I'm tipping my hand here. I'm thinking it all right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number one song is Walk Right In by the Rooftop Singer. So we don't have the weird song that we dealt with like two, like two God. weeks ago. So <laughs> I, think, I think this is Low like girl. Walk Right In, <laughs> Sit Right Down. I think I didn't listen to the song, but I think that's it. Yeah. It's got like a folk version of it. And Probably. The, uh, I heard the remake that was done by Ke- uh, Dr. Hook. I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Perfect. So a little bit more upbeat. That's probably the one I know. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So day and date, uh, what actually happened? So two days before this on January 29th, uh, Robert Frost died. Uh, famous poet. Uh, he is the author of the road, not taken, which I think is the poem that is read at every high school graduation, you know, like two, uh, was it two roads diverging in yellow wood? Like that whole, you know, you know, the poem like that's, but he's more competent and more like well-written than that one poem. But that's like the one everybody knows from him. Right. And I think Bruce Dickinson de- devoted an entire album to Robert Frost, if I remember right. Uh, that makes uh, him even more badass. Yeah, like The Chemical Wedding, I think, is like all devoted to Robert Frost, if I remember right. Which is like the only Bruce Dickinson album I've owned. I don't know. It's weird. Like, I, I'm i not... My dealings with like metal is like kind of like hit or miss. But for whatever reason, I had that album and it was great. I don't know why. That's weird. That's, a, that's kind of an obscure one that I would expect from you. Do you have Iron Maiden? Like No, I don't have any Iron Maiden. Um, but growing up at the county fair, there were so many Iron Maiden mirrors I could actually win by throwing a dart at a balloon <laughs> that I had a couple of those. And the, the, the mascot's named Eddie, right? Like the, yeah. The, yeah. yeah. So I had the Aces High poster. Nice. Like that's a cool looking poster. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. And I remember it had in glass and everything and then something happened in my bedroom and it fell and it broke and I was like oh so I lost my Aces High poster but the imagery for my main amazing oh yeah know? it is it's but like it's, the same artist that they used the entire time too I believe yeah and it's weird that I um, I know Bruce Dickinson and one of his solo albums but not Iron Maiden all that well I just my mind's a, a broken like box of glass when it comes to like music it's all over the place first so. Phantasm now Iron Maiden dude <laughs> I know, I know the name of the album, Power Slave. I know that it's yeah. it's Maiden, right? Like I've heard an Iron Maiden before. Right. That's neither here nor there. But anyway, I definitely won an Aces High poster by throwing a dart at a balloon once. I can tell you that. I think mine was an ICP one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the choices always are: Did you want Spuds McKenzie or or Scarface? Bart Simpson. Bart Simpson, <laughs> like uh, misappropriated Bart Simpson. That was not, not quite official, you know. Right. <laughs> um, I definitely bought an off-brand Simpsons T-shirt at a county fair once. That was him dressed as a Ninja Turtle. Like that happened, you know. I thought that was amazing and worth my money. And I wore it all the time in high school and had no friends. You know, like it just, 
<laughs> I would have been your friend. That sounds sweet. <laughs> yeah, sounds so you know, cool. <laughs> yeah, it was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Simpson or something. It was. It was. <laughs> wow, this episode got in a weird spot in a hurry. So yes, where are we? I don't have no idea. Okay, all right. So Robert Frost died, and we all feel bad about that. So, all right, that was two days before this episode came out. This was written by Richard Matheson, uh, which he's written other episodes of The Twilight Zone before. Uh, Terry, I know you have to be familiar with Matheson because he is a staple with a lot of like science fiction horror. Like I know you know the film Duel. Like yes. that was based yeah, upon the short story that Steven Spielberg's first film is on, um, uh, somewhere in time, which is the Christopher Reeves film. That's called it, the book was called Bedtime Farewell. Uh, he did. Um, he did the wh- Shrinking Man, which was ad- adapted into the Incredible Shrinking yeah, Man. Yeah, and which then um, I adore that film. What Dreams May Come. I love that movie too, and yeah, it's a terrific. Story. And the book is really it, it's way darker. Yeah, my um, wife loses yeah. it every time for that movie, so it's a terrific movie. Um, I Am Legend. He wrote the the book for that that became the Omega Man, and then I Am Legend, and then like and then also loosely adapted into. There, there was three of those. It was um, the Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price, the Omega Man. And then I am legend. So right. there was three, uh, you know, and so he's written a lot of things that we know. And then there's an episode in season five called steel, um, that whenever, before he passed away, there was the film real steel that came out with Hugh right. Jackman mm-hmm. that had enough semblance of like robots fighting each other that they had to pay royalties to Matheson. And when he was like, he's like, I read the script. He's like, yeah, I'll take the check. Like yeah. he didn't even, he didn't even care, but he's like, if you're going to pay me money for like rights, I'll take it. Like I respect that. So Matheson is an amazing writer. Like Stephen King even said, I can't like, if I could be anybody, I'd be Richard Matheson. I'm not quoting him directly, but he was influenced. And Matheson has written some great episodes. Like there was the one uh, in season three that we covered. Oh shoot. Where the girl disappeared in the wall. Um, and then ended up in like the fifth dimension or something that was really cool. Like Matheson's written some really cool stuff for the series. He's he's like uh, third position in the series between behind Rod Serling, um, George. Um, we just talked about him a couple episodes ago. His last name is escaping me now. Um, I'll, I'll I'll find it right here. It's it's in here. Um, where's it at? It's down here. It is. Bo- Sorry, Charles Beaumont, not George. George. Yeah. Uh, George Clayton Johnson's other guy that's written for the show, but like you got you got Serling, Charles Beaumont, and then Matheson. That's like the three. Right. So Matheson's written a lot for the, the for the Twilight Zone. He's an established author, and just there's so much that he's made that we should be thankful for. So yeah, I, I truly think so. And I, he, there is a lot of things that I've read that are coming down the pipe still. I heard there's another I Am Legend adaptation coming out. So sure. I mean, we're going to see more from Matheson, no matter what. I mean, he's going to touch everything that we see in the past and in the future. I mean, he, he, his little girl lost was the name of the episode from season three. That's just, it just popped in my head, but, but he is very practical when it comes to his science fiction, where it's like, it has to be grounded somewhere in the reality. Right. And we'll talk about this episode and I, I think it's still there. It's just that there's some weird stuff going on. Um, but yeah, I love, I love Matheson. Like whenever, um, whenever he passed away, which is only a few years ago and by a few years ago, probably, five or six at this point, something like that. Um, I remember that night when I found out about it, I, I looked at my wife. I was like, we need to watch a couple episodes of the twilight. So we watched terror 20,000 feet. Right. And I think we watched steel. And I was like, we need to watch some Matheson. And so, yes, like I, I love Matheson. It's been established in this, this, our podcast, but yes. Um, my thoughts about this episode we'll get into, but I love Richard Matheson as a writer. Yeah. I'm glad we're talking about him because I, he, he is like, when I look into his catalog, I know that from from when I was a child, I he's, had, he's, he's influenced always, so much, yes. you know, and it's like, 
like um I've always talked about like you know you need to appreciate like your heroes in the sense of like Matheson has shaped so much of what we love we don't realize it like um like I like on the other show I do Invasion of the Podcast we did a whole episode about Drew Struzan who was the poster artist for like everything in the eighties right you may not know the name Drew Struzan but his posters have influenced your love of cinema and it's like know your heroes you know and i feel like matheson's one of those guys that you need to know your heroes yeah this, these are the foundational works that really have kind of turned me into the weirdo i am so i mean like <laughs> and this is why we're friends not because i never listened to iron maiden and i <laughs> then i not seen phantasm you know it definitely shakes the foundation <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great. All right. Now we got to so, go to couple, couples counseling, man. We do. We're not going to resolve this tonight, guys, yeah. but we're going to try. Terry's going to get really passive aggressive and be like, well, he doesn't say those things to me. You Hopefully know, like, we can yeah. settle this before Valentine's Day. <laughs> I may or may not show up with some roses and a large teddy bear. That, 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 but yeah. but we, to tease something, we actually have a Valentine's Day announcement at the end of the episode. So I hope you guys are excited because I'm excited for what we're about to cover. So it'll be a lot of fun. All right. So Matheson. Great. Uh, directed by Stuart Rosenberg. We just saw him last week directing. He's alive. Um, he directs. Is this it for him? I can't. I didn't recall. I believe this was the last yeah. episode. Yes. All right. So small sample size. Liked him and he's alive. The directing in this, like you can only do so much. So um, there is a uh, Dutch Dutch angle in this as well. So yeah. Goodbye, Stuart Rosenberg. Uh, we, you know, like we didn't know you very long. So we talked about him last week, though. Yep. Yeah, so, so go go listen to that episode. You want a more in depth conversation about him? Yeah, if you want Stuart Rosenberg and also Nazis. All right, so, go. Yeah. All right, uh, we got a uh, uh, so the cast here uh, a little weird how it was labeled again on Wikipedia versus IMDb. So bear with me if there's some overlap or out of order. Uh, we have uh, Barbara Baxley as Cora Wheeler, who is the mom in this. Only Twilight Zone appearance. Uh, very recognizable face. I thought I knew her from other things. Uh, but only thing I recognized her from after it was identified to me was her last role when she was like the, the grandmother in Exorcist three. Yeah. Like, I got that. Goes, yeah. Like psycho. Uh, and then she was also an episode of, uh, the 86 revival of the twilight zone. That's all I got for her. Yeah. I, she was, uh, an Alfred Hitchcock presents for six episodes. So that's kind of cool. Um, and she was in a really good Al Pacino film called sea of love. I've not seen that. It I is need to. amazing yeah. about this, uh, serial killer, uh, woman that goes around and she, puts on that song and she kills a man that she's strapped to the bed. And uh, so Al Pacino is trying to figure out who the killer is at this point. All right. I'm in. And yeah. uh, John, John Goodman's in then as well. So it's a, well, oh, you, it's a great film. Uh, even better. Yeah. <laughs> like, like even bad films that have John Goodman are better films. Yeah. You know? This is like, one of those films that I told you what my grandparents were weirdos and made me watch this stuff. This was one of them. <laughs> Sweet. I need to check that out. Yeah, like, that's great. There's more Pacino. Like, there's a lot of Pacino I've not gotten to, you know? So, like, Serpico, I've never seen. There's a lot of Pacino. It's that good. I, like, I like, it. like uh, Dog Day Afternoon, I've not seen. Like, there's a lot of uh, Pacino that I've not gotten to that I need to. Uh, Cruisin'? Whatever. Anyway. Pacino. Anyway. Not seen it. Moving forward. We have, I have Frank Overton as uh, Harry Wheeler, who's the husband. Uh, he was in, this is his second of two Twilight Zone appearances. He was the father in Walking Distance, which was an early season one episode. Uh, which, if I recall, when we talked about at the time, he had very animated eyebrows, which he did not put away in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he t he 
he brought him back a little expressive. bit. Very it's like, expressive. But recently, whenever I went to the Fathom event to see the celebration of the Twilight Zone, walking this as well as episodes, it's like on the big screen, his eyebrows just wanted to just beat the shit out of you. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> calm down, Frank Overton. But yeah, that's all I got from him. And if you guys, I don't know if you have anything else about him. But, it, yeah. yeah, he was in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. That's right. Yeah. yeah uh, episode of Star Trek. And... Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, uh, very. And his eyebrows went on to be in three separate films after his death. That's not true, but I'm just saying that right now. So, uh, Irene Daly was Miss Frank. Um, <laughs> I like that her name is literally what she is. <laughs> like, ugh, we'll talk about her a little bit more <laughs> later. Uh, she was uh, only Twilight Zone appearance. She was in Amityville Horror, which was also directed by Stuart Rosenberg. Yep. Uh, and we talked about some of his stuff, like he did that in Cool Hand Luke. Uh, she was also in the Edge of Night TV series. Um, Figure that was also important because you know she was not a lot, so that's kind of where she was known from. She looked, she looked like I knew her, and I couldn't place her. I really couldn't place yeah, her. Yeah, she had a else. familiar face, but I think it was because of the uh, Amityville connection. Maybe oh. it's just any per- any person that is uh, filmed black and white with like you could tell like bright blue eyes. Mm-hmm. Just they always just come off very stark and rememberable to me, you know. Right. And her eyes were very like you know just like deadlights like you're just like oh i don't know what to do about this (laughs) the the deadlights the deadlights um Um. so i have angelian next is ilsa uh she is the child actress in this she was in uh 1960s babes in toyland which i wrote babes in toy lane i don't know that Mm. sounds like a retail thing now uh she did a voice in c lab 2020 which was the original cartoon that um adult swim later became c lab 2021 so her voice wasn't in that but i thought that was great um, three seasons of a comedy called it's a living uh, that was in the eighties. Um, she was kind of identified as a sex pot at that point. Like I have like, you know, an attractive figure, which after reading that and watching this episode, I'm like, I don't want to think about that. That's weird. Um, th- that is p- important to point out because two years of, was on ABC. Then it got canceled. It went into syndication for three more seasons, which was rare at that time. That's interesting. Yeah, because you didn't have a whole lot of things that made. Do you do you remember growing up where you had that syndicated TV series? Like, there's a couple um, that were like only in syndication that were never on broadcast. Right. Um, I I'm failing right now, but there was a few because there was some of the fringe networks that out not networks not channels that you'd get growing up that didn't have an affiliation with like CBS or NBC that had these shows. Like Mama's Family was in syndication. Okay. Yeah. 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 This, but Mama's family was WGN, like yeah, it was like yeah. on WGN, yeah, kind of thing. And then, like, so it's a living was on for three more seasons after she only made it through the third season. Uh, but I just want to point out that uh, WOIO Channel 19 in Cleveland actually had they actually carried the syndication, so oh, okay. there's a Cleveland connection. So I thought that was interesting because you didn't have a lot of shows that actually were picked up for syndication, like you have syndicated shows that were around for four or five years where they after they hit like the 100 episode mark they'd be available for syndication, but those are mainstream successes. This was one of the ones that were just picked up after and kept going. That seemed they to be the They just needed content and it was probably cheap. Yeah. I mean, you have the main cast and it's a thing you can just make, you know? Yeah. So whatever, you know, like, like, um, do you remember the action pack that was like, um, Xena warrior princess and there was like Hercules, three Hercules. Yeah. yeah. And there was two others that didn't catch on, but that was like Sam Raimi's baby. That was like, we're going to push these out in syndication. Yeah. And that's how people like star Trek next generation was syndication too, you know? So Interesting. Either there. yeah. Uh, I also have Angeline was a Mr. Mom. I, I've not seen that film in forever. Yeah, that takes yeah. over that uh, that little sex pot thing because like she was the uh, the one lady that he meets at the grocery store who just keeps on hitting on him <laughs> at that point. And it's like, well, it's Michael Keaton. I'd hit on him too. That's well, fine. yeah, 
He is pretty kick-ass. <laughs> One day he'll be Batman. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got for her. She's still around doing things, too. Yeah. So and I have uh, your your list is completely different from mine. So oh okay, God, I wish you would have different read. different actors that are even involved in this. Yeah, like Robert wish... McCord is a main character in this. No, that's yeah. not true. I was hoping you would read some of the names that I can't really pronounce. Okay, like this so Eva Eva Sorini. Yeah, it's S Z O R E N Y I. Good luck. So Eva, uh, she was Frau Werner. Um, that only Twilight Zoe appearance, Hungarian Austrian born surprise. Um, that that sounds like kind of dismissive. No, I her name sounds Hungarian Austrian. That yeah. feels that feels right. A lot of films from there, so she was popular there. Um, and that's about all I got for her. Yeah, that's all I noticed. I was like, I she really was don't good know in this too. Like her little dialogue at the end was actually really good. Right. Yeah. Oh, dude, I I loved it. Now we'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, so that's all I had for her as well on an Oscar. Uh, oof. <laughs> oh no no Oscar Bergy um Bergy we've, we we've we've talked about it on the show before and this is this is my admission from last week I meant I made you watch the episode Death's Head Revisited right um that he's in he's the main character in that episode we didn't really talk a lot about it in context of he's alive I'm glad that you watched it cuz I feel like it was a, it was good supplemental material for that episode but i forgot to ask you your thoughts about that episode and his performance in that because he's the the ss guard that comes back to dachau you know right, and yeah, he's doing that victory like oh, lap you know just disgusting yeah you know? but it's like he has this like importance about him in that 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 episode and he was also in another episode called the um the rip van winkle caper uh that he's okay like i like him as an actor he's really shortchanged in this episode yeah but i just thought it was weird that like i didn't realize he was coming up next and I made you watch Death's Head Revisited, where you just saw him as like the main figure of that. So you you kind of got a good sample size of what he's capable of. Yeah, he's got his highs and his lows because in Death's Head he was like oh, such a scumbag, you yes. know. And then and, and like in this he's so submissive and like his deliveries and that like you only see him for a, a moment really. In Pretty the show. much, yeah. Like he Beginning comes in at the end, you're like, end. oh, you know. So yeah, uh, this is his third of three appearances, like we just mentioned. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for him. If you guys want to hear our talks about him, uh, go back to the Rip Van Winkle Caper because he showed up there first. So right, and then uh, Claudia Breyer, uh, she plays Frau Frau Nielsen, so Mrs. Nielsen. Uh, she was only uh, she was in one of the episodes in the 1986 version. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, written down. So well, it's yeah. a Welcome to Winfield and Playhouse 90. And then she was also in Psycho 2. I wrote that down. I just, I've not seen Psycho 2. I don't think I've ever seen Psycho 2 now. I think about it. It's been a long time since I've seen any of the sequels. I mean, like, they don't, they definitely don't stand out when it comes to the original film. So, but, you know, take that for what you are. I'm, I'm kind of a, you know, that guy who's going to be like, the sequels aren't as good. Well, how do you, like, I mean, I, I need, like, I remember Psycho. I've, I've seen that before, obviously. That was part of my history of film class with this tying back in an earlier discussion. Um, but then I ended up seeing the, um, Gus Van Zandt remake in the theater. Okay. And people have problems with that being a shot for shot remake. I'll say this. Um, when I was watching the theater, the overhead shot of the staircase, when the, the officer's walking up the staircase, trying to investigate. And then Norman comes out dressed as his mom and stabs the dude. That's, that's the same thing in that film. When half the theater jumped, that showed me that this film still works. Regard, like it's shot for shot because you know you he believed that this is still effective, and it's like seeing everybody just get freaked out because of a of a scene that's exactly the way it was fifty years prior. Show me the power of the film. 
Like, yeah, it's it was, a jarring. Uh, it's just a jarring spot in that movie where, like, I, I even to, to this day when I watch it, it's like it's uncomfortable. And you know it's coming. Yeah, yeah, you you know you're like, wait, when when's it gonna happen? When's it gonna happen? Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'll say this: like, maybe people have problems with that film, but the fact that I got to see it in the theater and people just lost their minds over the, a jump scare that was 50 years already established is awesome. Yeah, but, and that's not Psycho too. I've not seen the sequels. There was a made-for-TV sequel that happened later. I ended up seeing that. That was weird. I yeah. didn't even know about that. Yeah, one. it's just, huh. but uh, have you watched uh, the Bates Motel that series? That I'm was... actually I'm watching it right now. Is it I, good? I, I watched it this morning uh, uh, for a little bit. Yeah, I'm in uh, season three of it. It was and... like four or five seasons, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think it's five seasons. Okay. Um, it's it's captivating. I like it. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't have gone three it, seasons it, it's deep. It's Vera Farmingham. That's like the mom, right? She's like yeah. right. Yeah. So it's and he has a brother and, and, and Freddie Highmore is like the main. Is it Freddie Highmore? That's the it's the guy who's on the Good Doctor right now. I, I can't remember yeah, his yeah. name. Anyway. But but no, good. If you're three seasons in, that shows that it's like worth it. Yeah, and, there's yeah. good writing in it. I mean, there's a couple episodes here and there where it strays a little bit. But I mean, if you're gonna do a note for note like matchup towards Psycho, don't don't do that. Don't, no, don't. It's, it's a completely. It's a, such a loose adaptation of the the original storyline. And I think that's I think that's for the better. Yeah, it's like all bets are off. Just tell your right. own story. That's okay. all it is. Um, so that's not Psycho too. But anyway, yeah. continue, please. Uh, so Robert Boone, um, that play he played Holger. Holger Niel- Holger, Holger Nielsen. Holger Nielsen it sounds like a really fat dude. <laughs> I don't know why. Like from like. I don't know, beer fest or something like that. Holger. Watch out for Holger. He's going to eat all the wings. Uh, He was also in Death's Head Revisited. Yeah. And The Diary of Anne Frank. Well, there you go. That that feels appropriate. Okay. Uh, All things considered. All right. So then I also have uh, Percy Helton as uh, Tom Poulter. Uh, First of two Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, 236 credits to his name. A lot of work. I do not know him from anything, and that's not that's not trying to be dismissive. It's just that this person clearly this was their career, and that's awesome. You got to respect that. He was Don't like know a him from anything. Journeyman, like yeah, a TV you get, journeyman. You get paid to show up all the time. Like nah. you know, like fine, good. Yeah, he was in a. Uh, I had um, he was in episode uh, Mister. What is it? I don't even care. I can't read my notes. Mr. Garrity and the Graves. There he, we wait, go. wait, he was in that? Oh, that's, a, that's a later episode of the... Yeah, so we haven't okay. talked about it yet, but he, okay. he shows up in yeah. season five. Okay. And then uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And he was in this really... I love the name of it, but it's a uh, Spook Chasers. <laughs> An early version of Ghostbusters. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it sounds like a comedy, but uh, I gave the brief synopsis here. The gang gets stuck during a thunderstorm in a spooky mansion where they run into ghosts, gorillas, and uh, other apparitions. That sounds like a description for an It's Always Sunny episode. Like, the gang gets stuck in a haunted house. Like, <laughs> And we're Scooby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else do we have? I have uh, William Chalet as Rude Man on Porch. I did not like him in this episode. Uh, second of two Twilight Zone appearances, he was in The Grave, uh, which is the one with Lee Marvin. That's a really weird and great episode. Uh, he was an episode of Night Gallery, and he was also in Billy the Kid versus Dracula. Great. Sounds good enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bill Irwin was, his credit is Man in Flashback. <laughs> um, fourth Twilight Zone appearance, so he was in the Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up, Walking Distance, and uh, Mr. Denton, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, which, go back and listen, we're like, this is not good, and then we did not realize the, the horrors that were coming ahead of us, because it was like the second episode of the Twilight Zone, we're like, oh, 
Yeah, we had no idea. So <laughs> maybe it's gotten better over time, but we did not like it at the time. Um, and then I also have uh, Norbert Schiller as a committee member, only Twilight Zone appearance. So not much else after our main cast. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people in this show, uh, this episode. <laughs> but like the ones that are like noteworthy, I think that we got them out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I just like, because I've been watching these episodes on CBS All Access uh, because I accidentally logged back into that and I, they have my money now, so I'll watch it on there. And they always do, like, they have the Sterling intro at the end, like the teaser for the next episode. They show a little bit of the episode. And I was like, oh, this episode's called Mute. It probably can't, doesn't have many people. And then in, like, the little teaser, it shows, like, 87 kids running out of a classroom. I'm like, oh, no. Like, are all these kids documented in terms of, like, their listing? Do I have to look up every single kid in this classroom? Right. I was dreading him. Yeah, when I watched the episode for the first run, I was like, oh, my God. There's going to be so many people on this IMDb. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to take all these notes. I mean, it's it's a good problem to have where it's like oh we could talk about Twilight Zone but it's like oh. <laughs> there's so many people so yeah thankfully it wasn't like child number one child number two like <laughs> yeah right that, that's Christ. I, I was yeah. worried about that part yeah I was worried about that too sorry right. okay um, let's just let's just get to the Sterling intro and we'll just just talk about this episode what you're witnessing is the curtain raiser to a most extraordinary play to wit the signing of a pact the commencement of a project. The play itself will be performed almost entirely off stage. The final scenes are to be enacted a decade hence and with a different cast. The main character of these final scenes is Ilsa, the daughter of Professor and Mrs. Nielsen, age two. At the moment, she lies sleeping in her crib, unaware of the singular drama in which she is to be involved. Ten years from this moment, Ilsa Nielsen is to know the desolating terror of living simultaneously in the world and in the Twilight Zone. So the rule of thumb is that the longer the Sterling intro, um, the weaker the episode is because it's like if you have to lay a lot of groundwork going in with your intro, then you probably don't do a good job of getting it across. This this intro was like thirty seconds, so I don't know. Just take it for what it is, you know. So, or he also probably thinks that the the episode is so confusing that <laughs> maybe you might be like, huh? What? Yeah, I mean, he like, as we talked about at the beginning of the season here, uh, he did not have as much involvement, but he also has worked with Matheson, so I think they have a pre- pretty good working relationship. Um, so, yeah, all right, I'm going to put it on Terry. What is going on in this episode? You're going to kick it off here. Like, okay. what, what is up first? So, so it's 1953, and we open up in uh, Dusseldorf. 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 This is 10 Germany. years after that sub sinks in the 35th grave. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> so, just so you guys are aware i just want you to know because that was 43 this is 53 i wanted somebody to pop up and say that though i, I didn't get it i just, can't do the math like man. what like you're just like oh what was that what was that sub oh that's the sub that's the one that was my uh foley work there i hope you guys appreciate that. <laughs> so yes so dusseldorf yes. yeah so they're in uh we open up with uh, a group of eight people uh they're sitting at a restaurant all seated together, and they're discussing pretty much the the layouts for a training program that they're going to have, and uh, the rules for that training program. Yeah, it was weird. It was like we could all agree that at the beginning of time, man spoke with telepathy. And everyone's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." There's no, there's nothing brought in of like we've done the science. It's like we all believe this. I'm like, oh, okay, this is established fact, and they're all like. We believe this going forward, and we're all going to commit to speaking with our minds. Right. Weird. But uh, the training program pretty much specifically says that they're going to follow these guidelines, 
and how they've laid them out and that everybody who is like a child of these this group of people too is going to follow this uh this training as well so and it's about telepathy training yeah and the whole thing is like they're like they believe this and they're gonna they're all gonna go to like a remote area so there's like not a lot of involvement with the outside world and they're gonna commit to this and they believe that the human mind has like this potential to be unlocked because it was like that before and with the children this is gonna be even more so and this is when you have uh Carl Bierge as um what was his name uh you know whatever uh German man number one um yeah, I have Warner. Uh, uh, sorry, Mr. Werner, Oscar Berge as Carl Carl Werner, um, and he was just like he was a little hesitant. He because he didn't. It's not that he didn't believe in the cause, but then his wife was like, "Yeah, but the children don't have a choice in this," and I think that's a valid point. But the people all kind of were like, well, we all have kids and we, we believe this is for the best because it's like, why wouldn't you let them? Why wouldn't you want to have them have like unlimited potential? And they're all like, but they don't know because they're kids. Right. And it, it, the, the guy who the leader of the group, it seems like the teacher um, is like, hey, this is going to be a lot more beneficial than any other thing that you could possibly give them. And we need to we need to instill this now and we need to have a set program for them now. Yeah. So then uh, we find out there's an American couple that they're like, we're going to go back to Pennsylvania and it's like, oh, so far away. It's like we had a house left to us. And it's like, oh, what's the name of the town? German, German corners. corners. And I wrote Hitlerville. And I was like, that's not right. That's not right at all. <laughs> no, but, it's not. <laughs> but they're all like, oh, German corners. That's good. And they moved to Pennsylvania, which um, have you have you heard the, the term Pennsylvania Dutch? Have you, I'm sure you've yes, heard that. Yeah, I, that's, that's referring to the Amish. A lot of them were German settlers and they spoke German, which was Deutsch. And that's where that term comes from. Sprechen, yeah. Deutsch. So that's why you hear anyway. That's okay. your that's your that's your lesson of the day. Pennsylvania Dutch was like I'm like taken inappropriately as Deutsch. So the more you learn, yeah, you go. So there's your knowledge. That's uh, that's that has nothing to do with this episode. But no. German corners in Pennsylvania. So ten years later, which is now today, which is twenty years after that subsect. <laughs> Stop it. And, and then ten years after, what was it? Stalin? Like was it got killed or whatever? We found out in the Valley of Shadow. Or whatever it was Stalin? I think it was in 1953. Yeah, it was 53. Oh, so man, this whole season's just tying. It's all about this twenty year timeline. <laughs> So yeah. it all leads back to the Dark Tower, though. That's true. All mm. yeah, we're gonna follow the beam. We're gonna go to the Dark Tower. But it, continue, please. Okay. So yes. yeah, so we get into um, the little bit of conversation that she had. So she talks about the house or whatever. Says yeah. that her daughter is two years old, and they're gonna move in. We go into Rod's intro. Yeah, and he explains that he explains a little bit more about this this next sequence than anything else did at this point. So. We, we got to play the game. Where do you think if Rod was not like coming like into the, like he was just brought in, like you heard in the beginning of the intro here, the woman was talking about German corners. Where do you think he would show up? A bus boy. A, at he's the next table. Busting the tables. Yeah. That's how, that's how it, it would have been perfect too. I would like it. He'd just be like, well, here's the check. You know, you guys can pay with money. Or your souls and just like wanders away. I would love it. I would love it. The Twilight Zone. (laughs) Perfect. All right. So So. then he, uh, in his intro, he explains that we fast forward 10 years later to a different setting. That's where we're in Pennsylvania now. So do the math. Now the little girl (laughs) is 12 years old. So um, yeah. So, and the child's name is Ilsa. Yeah. So then we we, we actually end up with. was it Harry? Uh, he find out that there's a fire because he's getting ringed 
by like the local, like the neighbors, right? Because nine one one was not a thing back then, right? And he's like, "Oh, there's a fire at the Nielsen house. We got to go." And Cora's like, "Oh, what happened? All oh, that that beautiful girl." And so they go and to the to the Nielsen house, and it's just, it's a blaze. Effective, like a good, like scary look at a house fire. Yeah, they 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 look pretty upset about it too because we're like. Is there any way that we can get in there? It's like, it's burning too hot, man. We got to. So they just go how, uh, around the property and just to see if possibly anybody made it out or if there's any other entryway. I just like that the, 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 the volunteers like take like their whatever, like the, the hook that they have. They just tap the door and they're like, they're like <laughs> nope. oh, no one can get out of this. Yeah, it's, it's like a lost cause. It's man. like, oh, I mean, all this could probably eyeball it up because like like when you see the first shot of the house fire, like the little little not roof, but there's like a an, like a porch area, like the ceiling on that like just drops like immediately. It's like this is on a set somewhere. I don't know. Did somebody die when they filmed this? I don't know. That felt really scary to me. Like now I'd be like, oh, there's probably certain safety precautions. I'm like back then it's like, oh, we lost, we lost an extra. It's the like actors eh, union stuff. Right. It, it didn't exist. Fine, yeah. so. Um, you know, it's like eh, they'll get, they'll get an IMDB credit that like years later, no one will know who they were man on fire. Okay. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I love how they're like, they just tap the door. Like, whoop, lost cause. Like, yeah, I don't blame you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but then they find Ilsa outside and she's actually like, no, not burned. She's traumatized. And the whole notion of like, they're like, Oh, she doesn't have any burns. How did she get out? I'm like, I don't know. She ran out of the house. Like, why is that a mystery? Like she's out of the house and she's unharmed. Any number of things could have happened to alarm her to the fire that she ran outside. I don't know. That is that feels like the least mystery of this whole entire episode. Right. I wasn't too lost about that one either. <laughs> as soon as I see fire, or even think that fire is going on, I'm like hightailing it out of there. Like the hell is going on? No, I don't care. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, I grab uh, my dog and run. Which is funny because um, when uh, we talked about Matheson earlier and what dreams may come, when I saw that in the theater, the film stopped mm. and we actually had to exit the theater because the fire alarm went off. Oh yeah, and then. They're like, oh, we think something happened. We're like, okay, what happened? They're like, oh, we're done with the film. We can't show you the rest. It's like, what? Like, so we actually, we they couldn't finish the film because whatever happened, like we were just, it was frustrating. So we had to go home that night because they couldn't finish the film. What? I don't know. That's ridiculous. That's when they actually used to show films in theaters, like, you know, like actual film strips. So I yeah, think, yeah. I'm going to guess it actually got messed up in like the uh. production booth. But yeah, like we're all like, there's smoke. We should probably leave. You know, so not the only time I've had a run in with fires in Matheson, but anyway, so I like how all the people, all the volunteers are like, she's not talking. She's under trauma. And then they're all like, like caressing her hand. Yeah. It was weird. Like, yeah. <laughs> and Harry's just like, she's alive. Like what else do we need here? She's in shock. She, yeah. she visually like is like kind of freaked out. You can tell like yeah. as soon as she opens her eyes or it's like as wide as like. <laughs> like a gecko it's like it's ridiculous <laughs> and and looking different directions yeah each other. <laughs> she's she's looking for the predator yeah right no um so then at that point harry brings elsa home because like what else are you gonna do at 63 like what can you do and he's also like you know a fight we don't know if he's like the fire marshal but he's an important person in town that actually volunteers his time he's a sheriff but he yeah, also i was volunteers. confused about that i was like 
He was the sheriff, but he helped. Yeah, but he also helped with fire stuff, right? So, Cora is like immediately interested because it's inferred at that point, but it's shown more in more detail later that they had both lost a daughter, and then she's like, "Oh, look at her! Oh, we could put her up in the room." And then like Cora is like not immediate to like take the doll off the bed and all this stuff, and it's like you get from her that like this is this is like. A stressful you, moment still, like yeah, just to be in that it, room. It's an open wound and also like, but you have a girl to take care of, like a dog, right. like like a surrogate and it gets become more and more later, right? So then um, at that point, she goes to like caress like, you know, Ilsa's hair and she's like, oh, like she's not even talking. Like she's like talking about Ilsa like as if Ilsa was not in the room. I'm like, what is going on here? And then she turns and Harry's gone already. Like he's downstairs filling the largest pot of coffee in the world. Yeah, like, he's like the line that she says is that she looks just like Sally. So you automatically know yeah. something happened. This is the room that that girl was in. And when, as soon as he know Harry, almost like Harry knew that as soon as like she got down and kneeled by the bed, it was going to turn into the, like one of those tear jerking yeah, moments. He's, he's like, like, I got I'm out, dude. Shit. He's just out the door, <laughs> like, <laughs> which you know, I'm a man. I'm a man. I don't my name's Harry, and my, my eyebrows don't have time for this shit. And he just goes downstairs <laughs> and fills up like a keg full of coffee, and it's like I love like <laughs> he's just like just just pour this coffee in, and it's like, and I wrote, um, that's how I get ready each day. It's just like this like this keg of coffee, like it's a, it was like a pony keg of coffee. I know, like, it, was, it was great. I was like, damn, man. I was like, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm filling this up for the boys. And then she, she's talking, like, Cora's talking to him. And he's like, and this is, so if you guys listen to the beginning of the episode, he was like, oh, she doesn't talk and she should talk. There's a segment in there that I specifically took out because it's very, it's not aged well and it's not appropriate where he's like, she's not hurt. She's not upset. She's not an R word. Like, and it's like, oh, you can't say that about this poor girl. Right. Like, I just wanted to mention that because it's like, like it's there and it's so abrupt because it's like, she's not mentally impaired. Like it's like people process shock in different ways, but he's like, but I'm, he seems to be the foremost authority on it though. Do you notice that? He yeah. was like, well, they have some kind of verbal yeah, he, skills or whatever. he's like, she's not deaf or dumb or the R word. <laughs> like, I didn't know that was like the tip off. Like, you know, she can so he's hear. a sheriff, he's a firefighter and he's a doctor apparently because yeah. he's able to diagnose. Her. Yeah. He's a, a psychoanalyst. It's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. So, um, so then at that point, uh, like he is like, struggling with what happened. And then, um, there's this whole thing where she goes back upstairs. Like we go back upstairs with her and it's like, there's this thing where you hear her thoughts and it's like, and I understand this is a limitation of the episode and the, the language of the episode, but it's like, she can think in English, but she's not capable of using her mouth for words. It was weird. Yeah. She like opens up her eyes and she's, she's stunned by the fact that her parents aren't there. I mean, she obviously went through something very traumatizing, but yeah. she's just like saying in her mind, mother, father, where are you? Like, she's trying to figure out where they are, but almost in a communication style where it's like, she is trying to talk to them. Like a CB radio. Right. Yeah. And then she like uses like astral projection or something. It's not quite clear her her range of her mind powers. And you get the idea that she's like reaching into the mind of a firefighter that's at the house. Right. And that whole moment's actually pretty horrific because you see the devastation and then you know that her parents are gone. You know, but it's not quite clear, you know, but that was creepy though. Um, and then at that point... <laughs> 
she tries to get up and then she just immediately falls down like out of the bed. Like, what did you think she, of that immediate I think fall they down? Wrapped her up like a burrito because like they, they, <laughs> when she got out of the blank or like out of the bed, the blanket was still wrapped around her and she just drops. Like, I really wish that I had the capability of capturing that as a gif because yeah. uh, it's amazing. Uh, even better without context, you see a girl get up out of bed and just whoop, hit the ground and they're done. Like they're done. Um, she dropped so hard too, dude. It was like, <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, there's problems there. Yeah. And the, yeah. the Cora must have been right outside the door because as soon as she hears the thud, she just immediately comes through the door like, what's wrong? I expected the thud because I wrapped you up like a burrito. Like there's, You'll never there, get away. There's some Munchausen syndrome there. It's like, oh no, you hurt yourself. Oh, I set you up to hurt yourself. I am not your mom. Like there's a whole like. And you're warm and, and safe. Yeah. So then, um, it, uh, so then at that point we cut to a photo on the mantle of, uh, the daughter that was lost. And I, and I wrote, and this is for you, Terry. Do you think Corin Harry's daughter is smiling in the photo because she knows she's not in this episode? Is that, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's like, thank God I got out early. AKA yeah. I died. I'm not in this episode. I wonder if she got a paycheck for that. Like, who knows? You know, a serious photo that they used. Like, like, like it was the same studio that shot the Nazis the last episode, where it's like we got to do Dennis Hopper and the other dude, and then also like your your glamour shot. It's fine. They all went to Sears all at the same time. (laughs) Kmart, you know. Like, we got a big crew here. You guys do like Like, a. It was a serious. Was it like maybe it was like Woolworths? I don't even know at the time what was. I don't even know. Oh, what was the name of the the big department Higby? store? Yeah, it's Higby. Yeah, I knew you were already going there. <laughs> it's Higby's. You yeah, know, we're yeah. in Cleveland, so like the big department store that used to be downtown with Higby's. You can see it in uh, a Christmas, Christmas story. story. Yeah. <laughs> so then, um, right. So that was that. Just, that was a terrible thought on my point. So I just want to point that out. So then um, we have um, it. We find out a little bit that if Ilsa's parents was able, they had to talk to the outside world because we find out that Ilsa is she's like homeschooled in a way, and that everybody was kind of like the parents were guarded of her, right? Rightfully so, because well, not rightfully so, but that's in line with what we learned earlier. And but they still communicated with the outside world, so they used their mouth muscles and they made word words and they talked to everybody about what happened. And it's like, okay, so then it feels weird to me. Wouldn't they still gave, give her like a baseline functionality of like, listen, we're unlocking your mind, but there's going to come a time where you're going to have to talk to people. That feels it, weird to me. It, it was strange in a sense because people like knew of them. They knew of the little girl. It wasn't just like they these were guys in, in like a bunker and no one ever saw them, but they knew that there were some psychos that were in the bunker, you know? Well, considering they also know that the father was a professor and it's like, right. so clearly if they knew he was a professor, then he was like teaching people. I know, it's like, how do you make a living? I, I, there's a lot of these fringe questions in this episode that were not answered that you know don't necessarily need to be, but I'm just wonder about. Yeah, and they they were on the edge of town, so they wanted some kind of seclusion, but also people knew about them. So I don't I don't know. It was kind they of they were weird. on one corner of German corners. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just it was a little weird. And then so I wrote uh, this episode is really about the true evil that is homeschooling, <laughs> like. <laughs> It can be. Uh. I mean, maybe. Um, so then, so then at this point, we also kind of get the notion that Ilsa is kind of like, like it's a weird thing where it's like she can hear people talking to her, but there's also like this unshielded moment of like she's like vulnerable to like thoughts of everybody, 
and like it's not quite clear, but I appreciate the attempt at the audio of being kind of like this big distortion. Uh, where people it's like muddled they they don't know that they're projecting their mental as well and she's kind of like in this thing of like it's almost like she's being hit from all angles of like everything so i i get that but it was still not entirely clear it's like well can you use your ears or is it just solely that it's like you're you're an open nerve to everything coming in I, I, that might be part of it, but I, I think in the more it, 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 we watch the episode, I think it gets a little bit clearer in how this is, for me at least. Um, it seems like the actual audio part of like people communicating with her is it just sounds like noise. Like her, she doesn't she's not open to the audio part portion of it. Like their voices are so distorted. It just sounds like noise like maybe being in like the bottom of swimming pool and someone's trying to talk yeah to you, that's what it, like, i think that's what they were trying to yeah i get it but at the same time like she was reacting and eating cereal and smiling and listening to cora yeah. and it would just be like it would just be it would be it was a little weird it, you know so i like i get that what they're trying to go for and it, you're a little limited but it's also a little odd right so um yeah so the the scene that you were talking about where they we open up with the the little girl's picture on a mantle um Harry talks about how there there's letters that were communicated back and forth uh from uh Europe and uh there's uh, three different letters that they would get at the end of every month. So he said they were just going to wait until those letters come in and then he was going to write back to the senders and try to get some more information. I wonder if Terry just doesn't I don't want to talk about this episode anymore. I just wonder if he just knows that Terry, please, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Why can't you read my mind language and my body language? This is just my thoughts into your head. I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is a very pedestrian episode. Uh, sorry about that moment of oh, like, I just, silence I just, there. So what was <laughs> I had a text message. I had to read it real quick. I just, I just, it was weird. I don't know. Like, I just, uh, you know, I just... I, anyway, continue. There's three letters. It was a pretty important. So, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, no. Like, so I also <laughs> give credit to the episode that is like when the letters showed up that like the, like the post office was like, Hey, Sheriff, you can't open them. There's a law. <laughs> and it was like, Oh, well that makes sense. You know? So he's like, I want to take these addresses and write back to the, the, like the potential families about what's going on. Yeah. And uh, so quick question. Do we know what the hell the timeline is at this point? Because it seemed like every scene that we were jumping to, we don't know exactly how long it's been that she's been there. There's something to be said at the end, whenever it was like, like it was like five months or something like at the end where it was like, because when Harry wrote the letters, he put them. That's another question I have for you too, is like whenever, like I know it's 2020 and we're all like in the world of like, I can't remember the last time I physically sent a letter to somebody like I've you know paid bills. Right. I've responded to postcards uh, and all to, that to wedding invitations maybe, but I think I texted somebody that I'm talking to right now about that. I don't remember, but like actually writing a letter and then putting it in a mailbox. Like I growing up where I did, I grew up in a rural area of West Virginia where we actually had the mailbox system. Like in terms of like you check your mail, you put your mail in, you put the flag up. Um, I didn't realize how that worked as a kid. So I'd go check the mail and put the flag up. And then the post office guy would be like, there's no outgoing mail. And I'm like, I don't know. I thought I was just to tell you that there's no mail in this box. I did not understand how the flag system worked and no one told me. And then the next morning you saw it on the ground. <laughs> You're yeah. like, Oh, okay. But no, but, um, <laughs> so did you ever deal with the mailbox or was this like, no, we just okay. went to the, but we just went to the mailbox. Okay. Uh, did, so did you ever send a letter out where you just take it and just like, just open the mailbox and just kind of push it in a little bit where it's just hanging out 
like no, the edge. Never done that. Like, weird, right? That, yeah, so, that part especially was weird. Yeah. Not the mental telepathy bit. The, whatever. I can buy that. Just that's a weird way to handle mail. That's a pretty easy sell to me, actually. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing that all the time when I'm like in my car and I the guy next to me who just cut me off is like very big. And all I'm trying to do is say, F you, dude. F you. <laughs> my flag is up. <laughs> my flag, <laughs> aka my middle finger. You should right. read my mail. But uh, no, uh, yeah. Um, incoming Love message. You. Screw you. Uh, no. Uh, so so he puts the letter in the mailbox. This, the way it's just weird. Um, and then Cora goes and grabs it, and then burns the letters because she's you know there's a, there's a lot in this episode to unpack where she's missing her daughter. Her her daughter has passed away, and you get a little bit of you get that in a second. But it's like you get also Ilsa, who she saw through Harry's mind vision that he was writing to these people about her. Right. And so it's like, oh, so you also understand the written word, but you can't talk? Like, there's a lot of that that feels weird to me. Like, I could get like, um, there's these apps that you can you can use that you can put like headphones on that like are speech jammers that like try to mess with you. And when you talk out loud, it's really funny because like they mess with your audio. It's really funny. So it's like it like as you're talking, like it's like this weird feedback that your brain kind of can't process hearing yourself. And so when you talk, it comes out really like stuttered and weird. Um, I feel like that would probably be more what it is like with this, but it's like you can read the English language. You can read the written word. You can understand for the most part. It just, there wasn't a big definition of what she couldn't, couldn't do. You know, that's, that was my big frustration with this. And it almost seemed like she was picking and choosing what thoughts she was reading from their minds. Like, yeah. That's a, I don't. So she knew these letters were coming out. She's like, soon I'll be back with my, my, my friends and family or whatever. You see a smirk on her face. Like, yeah. Oh, she's yay. like, oh, yay. And then when, when Cora burns the letter, she's like, no, mentally. And then she, she reaches into Cora's mind and sees that, uh, like the loss, like, Describe that scene of Cora thinking about the loss of her daughter. This is one of the more like sudden and vicious things I've seen in the Twilight Zone. Yeah, so she it's it's such a weird context that it's put into because Cora's been trying to reach out to her for the entire duration. So I they didn't show all of it, but it's got to be crazy and almost like irritating to Ilsa. But so she turns away and if she looks into her mind, she sees her she sees Cora baking in her kitchen and then all of a sudden there's a knock on her door and there's two gentlemen there with her dead daughter in their drowned arms. In like drowned like yeah. and she just loses it. Like the whale that comes out of her is like very human and sudden. But right. I was not expecting that. No, I just, she really sold it whew, well. Yeah. I think I I don't think anybody would have reacted any different. That I mean that's that is the appropriate reaction. Hell right? yeah. So, so you get like, so Ilsa sees that, but when she realizes the doll, the, the, the daughter, sorry, the letters are burned. Um, she gets frustrated and just runs away. She just books it out. And then, so then as she's running through like the town square, everybody just stares at her. I'm like, that's weird. Um, so it's like, and then she's kind of breaking down and, and Cora comes over. She's like, stop looking at her. But they didn't really get into the notion of like, all these people are looking at her and they're all thinking directly at her. I feel like that was a missed opportunity to not have like an avalanche of just noise. You know, like if they've already kind of keyed in on that, they could have gotten the chaos that is her existing 
in the world of the spoken word. Right. But it, that makes a lot of sense because now we're looking at like 15, 20 people. They're all talking. Like they're that, all thinking. That should have caused her to have like a migraine, you yeah. know, like type like type of level of interaction. Drooling right? on the ground kind of like seizure. <laughs> but like just the whole thing of like her just trying to get people to shut up. But then that's the halfway point of the, of the episode. Um, then it changes gears. And then we get to uh, where things get weirder <laughs> after we talked all about this. Like it gets a little weirder after this is when we meet Miss Frank. Because uh, we find out at this point, like, like Harry and Cora have actually put in for, like, adoption. They're in the process of this. But they believe that they need to get her in public education because of this homeschooling. Has messed her up. She can't even talk. You know, all this stuff. And this is where we meet Miss Frank. And it's like, uh, she comes in and it's like, she's, it, you get the notion, like, she's kind of taking it personally that she's, Ilsa's not been put in school earlier. Right. Like, man, Miss Frank is just, like. She's scary. You, you know <laughs> like, what this this scene reminded me of the the so you when you watch uh The Wizard of Oz, you know how like there's that scene where the the woman's coming to get the dog? Yeah. That's what it totally reminded me yeah. of that she is the wicked witch person. No, that, that's right? a very yeah. good value. Yeah, that's that I didn't think about that. That's perfect. And yeah. she in Ilsa's eyes, she is the enemy at this point. She's coming away to take her to someplace that she never wanted to be, exposed to crap that basically her parents programmed her to think is like bad not gonna, it's not yeah. gonna work for her it's it's a terrible logic you know and then at one point um miss frank was like i think the fire was a blessing <laughs> like cora's like what are you talking about i don't like, know if that woman's eyes couldn't get any wider too or crazier, i was like Holy yeah it was just like, like we're gonna pop out of her head and then like, she what? looks she looks at she's like why well, didn't mean it that way it's like well then how did you mean it like it's just no. like it's like I don't know. Pretty sure you meant it that way. I think you pretty much said the the like the the quiet part loud right there. <laughs> like so. Then we cut to school. And I'm just going to point out there's a sweet jack o' lantern right there. So yeah, I know. I was like, like jack o' lantern. I, I, I put Terry. This must be your favorite episode. I, I, I was like cut. I, I was like cut to school. Yay jack o' lantern. Like, yay jack o' lantern. <laughs> um, so then I wrote. Wait, this episode's about the evils of public education. So I feel like there's a mixed message of like, well, homeschooling doesn't work. And public education doesn't work, so what do you do? You know, so draw pictures of jack o' lanterns yeah, at school. Perfect. That's all we need to do. That would have so. been me. So then I also put here, this is also for you. Wait, the Nielsen family died in a fire. Is that a commentary about how Twilight Zone almost got canceled after season three? Hmm. I don't think Nielsen family existed back then, what we know. But no. I think no. it would just be great being like, screw you guys, we're gonna kill a Nielsen family because you guys want to cancel us. <laughs> Not appropriate, but in my notes. So uh. please, yes. That's a, a very in-depth joke right there. Maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. Do they even they still do that, right? Nielsen families, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Like, so the one thing I'll say that I like now that's being incorporated more is um, uh, broadcast plus seven, meaning that like whenever a show uh, premieres like on broadcast television, they'll also give seven days to track the streaming like uptick. Okay, so that way you have some shows that may not be strong day of, but if people watch it every week, you can start seeing those numbers show up. And okay. Then, and that gives some shows like like The Good Place, which I know just wrapped up, gave it some legs to get approved because the streaming numbers were good, you know, like in terms of like, so that actually shows people's watching habits. Um, that's not this episode and that's not the Nielsen family, right. but there's still hope out there. That's why like something like Lucifer that got canceled by Fox got picked up by uh, Netflix. So like the numbers in terms of like content are there, you yeah. know? So, yeah. 
And the shows are getting shifted around, like from like the regular broadcasting TV to yeah. streaming content now. And I'm sure, like the new Jordan Peele Twilight Zone, after they looked at everything, I mean, they already approved it for a second season. They probably had to look at that window of like, we're dropping these once a week. Where's the spike? You know. Right. And so, yeah, I think that's a better way to look at it as opposed to day of. You know. So, anyway. So yeah. So uh, bad so- joke. Uh, interesting conversation. Move forward. Please. Yeah. So a uh, core is being dropped or dropping off. Uh, Ilsa, and she's trying to reassure her that this is cool. Don't worry about it. This is good for you. Probably scary as hell for Ilsa, but I mean, how do we really know what Ilsa's thinking? She can't talk. So, yeah. Well, then the whole thing was like so your education is we're going to have you stand in front of everybody and we're going to have you say your name. Yeah. I'm like, that's weird. I was, I wrote a 1963 education was weird. Just yelling names and shit. That's like. But also, you're you're younger than me, um, and I don't know the like when like the school system that you grew up in. I grew up at like I mentioned, middle of nowhere, West Virginia. We had very limited like um, elementary schools, middle school, high school. Like we only had one middle school for the county and one high school for the county. So that's kind of a like consolidation, right? right. So then we had special needs kids also and the curriculum. So there's times where we'd be doing like art class, but there'd also be special needs with us. So it was really like you, like the, the, the teacher had to balance like what they could do versus what we could do. And as you're like, you know, 11, 12 years old, you don't think about that. It's just, it's, you just feel weird about it. So with her, with Elsa being in front of the class and everybody being like, say your name, just say your, it's like, it feels abrupt and weird here, but thinking back to what I grew up with, doesn't feel that far off, which is unfortunate because like clearly she has a deficiency. Like it might be socially like whatever, but like she's smart. We know that as a viewer, but educationally wise, you don't know that. And to put her with like the general population feels weird. And this is a trope that they use a lot in like depicting children going through like whatever storyline it is, you know, here's the new kid in town. We're going to put him in front of the class and introduce him. And it, it just, it spikes, the, it's got to spike the anxiety of a child that much more. I mean, even if if I was in front of a new class like that, given all the other stuff, I'd probably freak out. Yeah, you know? for sure. And I mean, I hated reading in front of class. I always told him, hey, it's not happening, dude. <laughs> I will pull a knife. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but if you look at her, she's like, she looks like she's like three or four years older than like a lot of kids in the class, too. It just felt weird. Like... Um, I was I was actually I'm, I went through a learning disability program when I was in uh, school, and so I was I was probably about what they're trying to do with her mm-hmm. in placement. So her her skill level is a lot lower. So they're putting her in a class with younger children to get her up to speed. So I was yeah. I was that kid. Okay, um, I just know that it was in kindergarten. Um, they they thought I was dyslexic, and my mom's like, he's just he's left handed, and they figured that out. <laughs> Because I was watching all the right-handed kids and I was writing backwards because I was paying attention to the right-handed kids. Uh-huh. And she's like, he's left-handed. And they're like, oh. Like, they thought I had just, like, they thought I was dyslexic. It was like, oh, he's not. He's just watching everybody else because he's one in 10 Americans that is left-handed and we didn't teach him right. You yeah. know, like, so I, I don't think I am. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm better. Like, <laughs> There's also schools and, like, uh, programs that just take kids and put them in like a little like Yahtzee cup and just spin them around and just drop them down. Yeah, no, that's, 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 yeah, that's valid. So, but, but none of them have telepathic powers to my knowledge. So anyway, uh, so we get like this weird bit where as she's like in the middle of the class and there's a kid reading about a boat 
and like the people that work on the boat. And, uh, and I wrote today, junior, that made me think of uh, Billy Madison because the kid's like struggling. And I was like, read those boat words, right. You know, he's just a kid. He's like, but then she's thinking like, well, his, like, basically she's like, this is not how I was taught this. And then it cuts to like a scene of her father holding up like a, like a card showing a ship, like right. a pirate ship. Um, and then, or whatever, like, and then it's showing like, and in real time, like showing the thing animated and moving on the ocean and all this showing like the effectiveness of him projecting to her. This the is reality. what it does. Yeah. You yeah. see the image. Now you will understand what the image is actually about. Yeah. And I wrote, so her dad used an iPad to teach her about stuff. That's cheating. That's not true. That didn't happen back then. But, uh, but yeah, it was just like, but the whole thing was like, she's like, he's not saying the, the boat words, right? It's like, but you're saying the word boat. I like, but you know what a boat is, you know, like, Whatever. Anyway. Well, she has to be looking at the page, which didn't it show the words? I, I don't I don't I don't know. It, the missing it links there. Like yeah. so Yeah, anyway, we're we're moving forward here. I just I get stuck in the minutiae here. And so uh, it's just, yeah, please yeah. go ahead. So Miss Frank gets frustrated again. She sees almost like uh the Elsa is like daydreaming. She's like, That's not that's not gonna work. So he she takes the ruler and almost like a like an aggressive stance makes her stand up in front of class again yeah, and makes her try to say her name again. Now she's having all the kids say her Elsa name. Yeah. to her. I mean, way to feel embarrassed and put on the spot. I mean, I, I would have freaked out at this point. <laughs> I, I mean, I've said that before, but I would freak out again. Yeah, no, it's fair. Like Especially like, with that ruler situation. <laughs> the dude, yeah. don't, yeah, that ain't happening, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, I did grow up in an educational system that still used the paddle as a form of uh, punishment. Like I never got called to the principal's office, but paddling did happen. Like that's weird. You know, I yeah. never had a ruler brought out in class, but there was always the threat that you could get beat in the principal's office. It's, that's, that just boggles my mind, man. Like, just, and I, man, that, I, all right, that's a different discussion. I, <laughs> it just frustrates the hell out of me. I just wouldn't say my name out loud. Like, I deserved it. No, no. no that's not true. So, so, yes. uh, so fast forward a little bit. Now the kids are leaving the class. But Miss Frank stops Elsa at the doorway. And she is a little bit more aware than she let on earlier. Kind of. It's weird. Yeah. You know, like, and the whole thing is like, um, she's like, oh, I know what you are. I know what, like, you don't have to do this anymore. She's like, I was also like you. And you're like, oh, okay, what's going on? And then, <laughs> and then she was like, hey, here, I'll just... <clears throat> Terry, you are a medium. You're being raised as a medium to talk to the dead. You're talking to the dead right now with your mind powers. That's what happened in the episode. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was like she just stopped verbalizing what her <laughs> thoughts were. <laughs> and she's just like, You're gonna read my thoughts. I know it. And, and basically she called her bluff. Well, but the whole thing is like you're being treated as a medium to talk to the dead. It's like that was never brought up previously in like anything. So so that makes me wonder what happened with Miss Frank as a kid of like, no one's gonna talk to you until you talk to this dead person. Rabbit hole. Weird. Yeah. Right? yeah. So anyway. Um yeah, that's I have buttons on my thing that no one's ever heard before. It's been fun. Um, that never happened. That was all my mind powers. So, yeah. So then she's trying to break Ilsa of this because she feels it's the best way to go. And so whatever. And I wrote in here, this is the shittiest pilot for Stranger Things I've ever seen. <laughs> um, 
I'm not. I'm not wrong. I'm not that far off. But then we cut to, uh, we find out that um, the one couple, uh, the the Oscar Berge and his his wife uh, Frau Farbissina, which is that's not her name. That's from Austin Powers. They show up to town, um, and they talk to the most annoying man in the world, the salty hobo. Like <laughs> the salty hobo. Yeah. yeah. He was a dick. What he was, was a he... dick. He was just like, he's like, ah, because like, we he... talk to the constable. You mean the sheriff? That's what we say here in America. Guess I'm just going to sit here and drink my hooch out of this XXX jug. Wasn't he, was he carving a bone? I have what no the idea. It looked like just, he had a bone in his freaking just, hand. Like, what was that? Dude? I just, it, it just felt so weird. And especially also whenever they're like, who, who do we talk to? It's like, you're, you're having this weird grasp of the English language. And then within seconds, you're like on it. Yeah, it's like well, weird. What's like, your introduction to the guys in the States? This ass. <laughs> like, yeah. But the couple speaks like pretty good English. Yeah. Like we find out later. It's like, oh, were you just putting on errors just to kind of like, I, I like, I wish that anytime they were not talking directly to those around them, like it's shown later, but it's like. They would talk to this jerk that was like, you know, the salty hobo. And then as they go to the sheriff's office, they're physically talking back and forth to each other. Well, why not have them do the telepathy thing then? Because it's like, if that's their element, that's what they prefer. Have them just do that. I felt like, because if no one else else is around for them to interact with, wouldn't that be their default setting? Because that's what they're striving for. That felt weird. And it it brings more attention. If somebody's within earshot, they'd be like, huh, what's going on? Yeah. So, so whatever. Anyway. So the ambassador of the states uh, directed <laughs> yeah. him to the right location. The, the ambassador of America of German Corners, Pennsylvania, the salty hobo. Yeah. Yeah. So then they go to the sheriff's office and then um, you, they, you it's implied that they talk to Harry because Cora picks up the phone and Harry's like, I need to talk to you. And then she pauses. She's like, thinks it's a joke. Mm. Like, what's going on? What's up? And it's like the Europeans are here or whatever. He says, the people from Europe are here. Yeah. Oh, a, a quick note, too. Um, that When they were talking between the two of them, they were saying that it had been three months since they had heard from yes. the Nielsen's. So they got worried. And that also implies that every letter that possibly was being sent was being burnt up by Cora. Well, because you only get the idea. So they probably wrote additional letters that just showed up, right? And... But we don't know how many times Harry tried writing back to them. But you're right. If they wrote every 30 days, then that means he also wrote. And right. that's never stated. You're right. So you get the notion, though, that Core has been heading this off of the past every single time and has been destroying the outcome. Because they're also now into the process of adoption, we, we find out. And so so then the, the, the couple shows up to the house. And Cora, you can tell that she's not eager about this at all. Because she has her reasons. She wants this daughter that's not her daughter, but she believes that she is actually bonding with Ilsa. And you kind of get the notion, too, that they have a bit of a bond. Like, you get that a little bit. And by her uh, behavior and everything, as yeah. soon as uh, they come in and sit in the living room, she she looks upset. She doesn't, yeah. she doesn't even want those people there. But then... So maybe I'm pronouncing the the name wrong because it is German. So is it the Warners? The Werner. Werner. Ver, Ver, Werner. Werner. Like, Werner. I'm gonna guess it's Werner because that sounds appropriate. Because it's the W. It's German Werner. So they sit down, and through telepathy, she <laughs> the wife says she's burned the letters, and her husband is like, "Yeah, I know," and he seems pretty pissed off. Yeah, he does. But yeah. uh, his he, wife. He, he's also like, 
do they know that I'm a former SS officer at the dock? Oh, no. <laughs> Don't make me bring that up. Yeah, no, um, no, that didn't happen this no, episode. No, it didn't happen, but, luckily. Um, but yeah, so like, there's a lot of moments in this episode where it's it's him looking at her, her looking at him, and then when they bring Ilsa down, there's this big moment of them like communicating with her, or attempting to, right. with like telepathy, and it's like, I I know this episode wouldn't do it, but I almost wish there was a, a like a pullback to Harry just watching this awkward silence of them just staring at her for like four minutes. That's a good point because there <laughs> there was quite a bit of silence, and it's just like what is going on? Like like they're looking at her with like stern faces, and she's starting to cry. It's like what what is happening? <laughs> like this entire time, um, but then like then there's the effect though that because she's been being broken or acclimated or however you wanted to say it, um, that their mental talking to her is now distorted similar to how the physical talking was to her earlier. So like they can't get through to her. Um, it's distorted. And then she breaks down and says her name and she says, you know, my name is Ilsa Nielsen over and over and over again. She's crying and core is excited because it's a breakthrough. And it's like, I don't know. You just broke this girl in half. No one's reading it that way. The the Verners are because they know what she was capable of. Right. And it's weird. And Miss like, Ver- Mrs. Verna is like, she she feels sympathetic about the situation. Like she, she understands yeah. why the letters were burnt. She she says that she feels sorry for Cora. You know, in the one scene. No, she's sympathetic and understands because we we find out, spoiler, later on that the Nielsen family maybe wasn't the most loving because they're dedicated to the cause. So Ilsa may not have gotten the support that Cora is like so wanting to give to another. Right. You know, so so um, you know, uh Frau Werner is very aware of what's going on. So that that like I get that. But then so then she, you know, she talks, and it's a victory and a defeat at the same time, which is weird. Um, and then um, they 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 reference that Ilsa's parents were like they 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 loved as well as they, as they could. They were they were not unkind, but that does not paint them as like good in the sense of like raising a child. They were more like they were more satisfied with the results. Then so it becomes this whole thing of like she's already kind of distorted and she's already in public education. She's with this household and they make the decision. The Verners make the decision of like not staking claim, even though uh, Harry and Cora were like, you have, you can adopt her because this is part of her family, so to speak. And they, they, they demure because it's like, like, um, uh, the, 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 um, Oscar Berge's character, the, whatever the Mr. Verner was, uh, Carl. Carl. Um, he was like, she had potential. And then, um, you know, Frau was like, no, like she, even if we brought her back, she may not come back to where she was. And she's in this area that she's being loved. So basically they're saying she may have lost this potential for her mind being unlocked with all this amazing potential that like it's, it's astral projection and telepathy, but we don't know the extent of it, but she can be raised in a loving household. And I think that, and she's like, isn't that better? And that's kind of where we land with this is like, they realize it's probably for the greater good. Right. And I think that was like, when I watched this episode for the second time, that's what really hit home for me was this, the outro, like the, the dialogue between the, the Verners and like what was best for Ilsa. And it really reminded me of child grooming and like how 
people just set their kids up for so much. Oh, yeah. And then, like, don't really acknowledge who they are as individuals. Like, oh, you're going to go to football, little Johnny, but you're also going to be student class president. You know, it's like. Dude, I used, I worked um, for five years in, like, the hockey industry and mm-hmm. just so many parents that heap their expectations upon their kids. Mm-hmm was just ridiculous. And it's it was sad. like it's frustrating because yeah. it's like these kids like this game, but this isn't maybe this isn't their meal ticket, but they heap upon it. I remember literally at one point I had to call and leave a voicemail about some product coming in and the voicemail was like, You've reached so and so um the the home of the future three uh number one picks of the NHL. And I'm like, this is your voice this is Cleveland. Right. Like what? Like what what kind of hockey background is here? You know, like this isn't this isn't Montreal. Yeah. Like it's just weird. You when know, we, when we were talking earlier, we were talking about Drop Dead Gorgeous and the the, the pageantry uh, outside. Like because there's a whole thing of like every every girl Mount Rose was like either you're gonna get pregnant or you have to become a beauty queen and right. get out of here. Yeah. So it's like you you have this like this mindset that is instilled into these children. From the from yeah. the beginning, I mean, like a lot of these uh, women, girls are they're they're groomed for this. From, which, from which the if beginning. you guys have not seen the film, Drop Dead Gorgeous, I think it's on Hulu now. It's a mockumentary. It's it's a lot of fun. But uh, Brittany Murphy's character was like talking about. She's like, it's just what you do, and right. it's like, and there's that notion of like, you know, that's what's coming, and it's like, and then there's the bit where Kirsten Dunst's character is talking about like the men. She's like, either you know, either you get a scholarship for hockey. Or, you know, you go to the penitentiary or whatever. It's like, there's these predetermined paths. So that's, I know, like, there's that expectation. Like, there's, you're right. And that's frustrating. And I think uh, the Nielsen's were really opposed to every outside opinion because it would have been detriment to To their cause, to what they wanted. So it was just one view. That's all we're going to give her. That's all she's ever going to know. She never got exposure to the outside world. But, like, what would happen then if she, when she becomes a legal adult? Like, what would happen... If like, I know that they died in a house fire and that that's, you know, for the, the sake of the story is terrible and it, yeah, losing your parents in a house fire is terrible. I'm not saying that I'm pro house fire. That's not what I mean at all, but there's going to be a point where she would have to deal with the outside world. And it's like, how do you prepare somebody for that? And I don't know. Like it's just, like, there's a lot of questions here. But I, I love that. I love that stance at the at the very end. That's when the message becomes clear. Like I even put in my notes, bam, message. Like that, <laughs> like that's when it was like, oh, so we went through this episode and the storytelling to finally finally put it together. It just didn't seem so clear in the beginning. Yeah, it just took this dialogue to get me on board with the message. Yeah, which I can get with that. But then, like, we'll get to the twist rating. But it's like I. It's it's still mixed where it's like you're an exceptional exceptional individual and you have these amazing abilities, but is it better that you have them or if you can form with everybody else? And it's like there's a weird line that this whole episode walks that like I get the notion that she's better off being in a loving family and Cora's better off even though she went through some nefarious means to get it. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there's some weird fringe things going on here that you're like, if you think about it too hard, it gets really bad. Yeah. But, um, but I don't think that was the intent of the episode, but I still think about it. I think my overall like commentary on it. And if we go back, if I can go back for a second, it was a uh, miss Frank talking to Ilsa and the class. And she said, she's different right now. 
but we're going to make her just like all of us. And it's like, it's that conformist idea that scares me, but at yeah. the same point, it's like a balance you have to have as an individual. Well, yes, yes and no. But uh, so have you, are you familiar with Flowers for Algernon? Like the book? No, I've never read it. So do you know what I'm talking about though? I know of okay. it, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a powerful book, but it's the notion of a gentleman named Charlie who is uh, mentally impaired that actually uh, becomes a volunteer for an experiment that could increase his intelligence. So the whole thing's written from first person. So he's putting these diary entries in, and it's like you see him getting smarter and smarter and smarter. He worked at like a bakery, and he had all these friends. But then the smarter he got, the more he realized people were like either dismissive of him or taking advantage of him. And then he got to the point to where he was smarter than anybody else around. And that he was distant, like Dr. Manhattan distant. And then the process has a falling off point. So you see him start to like, like just like elevator down through all of this. And suddenly he can't process, but he still, but he now has friends again. It, it's almost like this where it's like you, you see like, I don't know how to describe it. But it's like, there's this notion of like, is it better to conform or is it better to be you? And and like in this case with her, I you know, again this the, the Twilight Zone raises a lot of questions. I don't think this was the intent of this episode. I don't think the intent was she's selling her soul in the sense of like her uniqueness to become somebody. But if that is the price that she has to pay inadvertently to be in a loving family structure, isn't that worth it? Right. I, I, just, I think I, so. I mean, it's hard to say. You yeah. know, like it's just. In this, I'm sure this will be a theme that we'll revisit later. There's other things that there's other stories I've read that have kind of followed this whole thing. Um, so it's very conflicted. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, I think that there needs to be discussion, like for the Twilight Zone, and especially last episode, there's a lot to chew on. With this one, because I feel like it's not clear. And I don't think that was on purpose. I think it was trying to go to an end point of like, well, she's loved and Cora found somebody. Cora has a lot of issues right. that are not resolved. And she's just, she's just shoved them onto another person. You know, it's like, so where's Harry at with all this? Is he okay with now she's found a surrogate daughter and that's it. Like, is she going to start imprinting, trying to force, I, I don't know. Bigger questions of this episode gets into, but I think about it. And that that's where I'm at. Yeah. So it's frustrating. It, it, I mean, like, I, I won't say that I enjoyed the episode, but I really tried to dig deep on what the message could be. Yeah. And that's what I've gathered out of it. It's just like it's really finding balance and being an individual, but also trying to excel as much as possible in whatever you wanted. You know, like, yeah. if that's the program that you want then go ahead and do it, but just don't lose yourself. And your people, or the people, your people, your your parents shouldn't put such a high standard or close you off from the world around you. That's, that's that fair exists. as well. You're, that's valid. So, so yeah, um, I guess there's more to unpack in this than I thought. So, but I will say this, um, after watching this episode once, just for react, like I, I like I, I talked about this before, I'll watch the episode twice. Once, just kind of just like sight unseen, just watch it just to kind of experience it because I think that's, I think that's valid and fair. And then I'll watch it again for notes and then capturing audio. Um, this is one that I will, I will honestly admit like every 10, 15 minutes I got up and did something else. I did the dishes. I vacuumed my plate. Like I did more stuff in between where I'm like, I can't, I can't watch this a second time. Cause it was just very, 
not tedious is the right word. It's just like it, the first half God's plan across early. Then I had to wait 26 minutes and then we transitioned to the other part. And then it kept bringing like a sledgehammer to kill a fly over and over again. It's like, so I got really frustrated cause I just kept, I got restless trying to watch this a second time. So that's, that was the frustrating part of this is like, I don't know if you could have condensed this 24 minutes, but it didn't need to be 51. No, I, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, I And I kind of like the reversal of what you were just saying. When I was watching it for the first time, I was like not captivated whatsoever. I was like that guy who was like checking my emails. I was like trying to figure out my 401k information. I was like, <laughs> what is more exciting right now? Because I wasn't getting anything out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, me too. Like the first time I was like, oh, this is where we're going. So mm. it, was, it was frustrating. And. I I think this episode as a concept deserves better, but if you're not hooking me in for this long run, it's like there's something there. There there there. No, there's bones. It, it, yeah, there's it, bones. It, we could they definitely could rebuild on this and make a better story. But I just think that the storytelling, unfortunately for Richard Matheson, it, it, this wasn't the best adaptation, which probably needed a better adaptation because I think he's such a good writer that maybe yeah, I feel wasn't... like this probably would have read better on the page. Yeah. Cause you could have described the more source material, the distortion for her, yeah. like in terms of like not being able to get it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. So, uh, did you have any more notes before I get into the trivia about this? There was one, uh, one note on two days before that I had, uh, real quick, I didn't get to hit that earlier, but, um, the first inductees for the football hall of fame were announced that day uh, oh. so january 29th 1963 so okay i, I forgot to how, how many of them had uh telepathic abilities did we know uh, <laughs> probably all lost at this point <laughs> oh. is it more like uh i can't think too good but i gotta just run and run and run and maybe i get in the head, hit the head more i'm gonna get the football 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 that's it. Sorry. All right. So <laughs> sorry if anybody's a football player. <laughs> I just love the replacements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it. Um, so I, what else I have in here? I wrote the, the I, I believe that the letters that uh, Harry wrote said, um, "Where's what I have here? Dear unknown persons, could you please pick up your friend's broken daughter?" Signed, guy who doesn't give a shit. <laughs> like that's what I feel like the letter, the letter said. Um, yeah. There was one thing that I had noticed, and it, I, it was, I think it was done just as a little teaser in the back. Did you notice the, the message that was on the chalkboard? Oh, what was it again? Silence. Yeah, that yeah. And it was uh, it was rubbed out, but it was just enough that you could that's still fair. read it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And it was like it was in the best view as every time uh, Miss Frank was talking to Elsa. No, it's, it, that's their own purpose. I was like, it has to be. It yeah, I was like be, that's. You know? I, I thought that was like a nice little little hidden gem there. Yeah. No, that's good. So uh, trivia I have from here was uh, the story was originally a novella. I think they called it a novelette, which I think is small, smaller than a novella. That was in a compilation edited by Charles Beaumont. So that's cool. Like oh, Beaumont and nice Matheson connection. actually had a, a, like a good friendship in terms of like what was going on. There wasn't a rivalry. They, they tried to make each other better. Um, the home that was used in this uh, was in the episode of World of Difference, which was um, a season one episode. Uh, the town center that Ilsa runs through is a MGM lot two. Uh, so the public park that she was run, she ran through like crossing the streets, uh, was used in walking distance. Um, a stop in Willoughby 
and I, I sing the body electric, which was very, very prominent. If you go back guys and watch, it, I sing the body electric, which I don't recommend because that upsets kind of a slog. There's a bit where one of the younger girls like that's running, like there's that little median between like streets that I saw that. I'm like, that's from that episode, which I mean, you're using back lots. You're shooting. Like I'm not, I'm not upset about that. It's just something I picked up on. So that's all the trivia I got from this was that, there was a novella about this and then locations were used from other episodes. So that's it. Yeah. There wasn't a whole lot of other notes I could find. I mean, like it, it was just there. The story yeah. was just there. It's yeah. So, um, yeah, let's just move on to the twist and we'll just, uh, we'll just, uh, see our way out the door here. So I didn't even put a number. I should probably find a number here. I was like, that conformity is better than being exceptional. I don't know two i don't know i don't know where the twist is if the twist is that she found a normal life after i just don't know where the twist is in this because the the music in this too was so melodramatic the entire time it just felt so heavy-handed like it it felt more like something the music made this episode feel older than what it was which is a weird thing to say because it's things like you know 50 years old but it just felt so like drama as opposed to like, I mean, you could have drama in the Twilight Zone, no doubt. I think I think it's better, right? You have character bits, right? As opposed to like plot, 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 plot. But just the just like the almost like um like gripping, like, I don't know, like your shawl and just being upset. The music in this was so melodramatic and just it just felt very like after school special. I just it just I was frustrated with that. Yeah, there was it, this episode was just disjointed from 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 the beginning for me. I honestly I can't find a twist in it, man. Like no. it just seemed all laid out there and it seemed like even when if things the, played out in the end, it's like, oh. yeah, if the twist is that she wanted to go and then she found her family. Sure. I mean, I like the end dialogue. There's no twist there, but it really, it is what it is. I mean, yeah. I, 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 if I had to give anything a twist number, it's one because it wasn't a twist. <laughs> Everything. Fair enough. No I, twist. I, I don't, yeah, no twist. I, I, I agree with that. So, but we're a slave to the format. So congratulations. We're a power slave to the format. There you go. That's the Iron Maiden. Power. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So metal. Yeah. So metal. All right. That's going to do it uh, for that. Uh, for our talk about mute. Again, I said at the very beginning for an episode called mute, it didn't have a lot to say. I still stand by that. Very frustrating. Mm. If you guys want to watch an episode about someone like not talking a lot that has an amazing twist, go back and watch the silence, which I think is from season three. Um, that has a kicker of a twist. If you guys have not watched that, I think you have, if you followed the series, if Terry's not seen it, uh, the silence has a really good twist to it. So I'll recommend that to you. Um, yeah, it's messed up. And you should go back and listen to our episode because we find out one of the actors got physically beat really hard the day before shooting, and they can only shoot him in profile and shadow because his face was messed up. So oh. there. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, th- my my that wife guy, and- That guy was a monster. He got the shit beat out of him, and they couldn't show his face because it got all messed up. So my yes. wife and I are going from the beginning all the way through, and so we haven't gotten to that episode. Well, that's a, so. So with that being said, just brief side. Where are you guys at in season one? Uh, we are actually in season two at this point. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you, so what did you like, I know it's probably been a blur, but like, what about season one? Did you like, 
man you're putting me on a spot here i am did you watch you saw the chaser which is one yes of the, I, I i i adore the chaser i i did like it because it really it reminded me of be careful what you wish for man yes and we talked about the chaser uh briefly because um that actor was in the very first episode of this season in his image and he was in the chaser which surprised me at how much i liked it they, it was a fun episode, but if, if you and, and your wife are watching from the beginning, that makes me very happy because there's a lot of great stuff that, uh, that you've not gotten to yet. So that's awesome. So yeah, it's, it, it's, it's fun. I mean, if we have to endorse anything, just watch some of the episodes guys. I mean, I know that you're probably friends of ours or you, you just like listening to content. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you know, I owe them $5. Like I'll still listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I no, lost a bet, man. I lost a bet. No. Um, so the good news is, too, if you guys are watching the first three seasons of Netflix, if you log into like a regular like computer, like not your phone, not like um, like your PlayStation or whatever, you can actually disable the autoplay like of the trailers now. That's a big deal. So you guys can just go and just watch Twilight Zone without pressure. Um, but yes, if you've not watched the earlier seasons, go back and check it out. It's great. Uh, but if you have, The Chaser's amazing, and I hope you guys agree with me. So anyway... Um, that's going to do it for, for this episode. You guys can find us on Facebook. It's uh, strange highways, uh, Facebook, uh, at Facebook. Sure. Um, more people keep liking, like the page. We appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate the love and support. Um, and then you also can find us. Uh, we, we, um, we have a, a Gmail. It's a strange highways podcast. You can write to us directly and let us know how you feel about the episodes and you can find us on, um, like Stitcher and Podbean, Podcatcher, uh, Apple podcasts, Google music, wherever you find your podcast rate and review us, whether it is like Mark's, uh, like the, the Ben and Mark's right next to the pen, Ben, right. You're right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Spencer's gifts right next to the, the incense and patchouli. Uh, the, the, the patchouli and, and the sex objects. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> There we go. Good words. Yeah, the sex objects. Just find us, rate and review us. That'd be greatly appreciated. I hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, yeah, please. I challenge you, people. Be my friend. Talk to me. Go do me a favor. Go to each one of those like sources. Go to Spencer's Gifts and go. No, to the not sex there. Don't, don't go. Don't, don't go there. Don't don't endorse their behavior. Sex there. objects five out of five. Strange highways three out of three. Go to <laughs> go to where you listen to your podcast. Please leave a review. I'm challenging you now. I'm going to watch Stitcher. If you guys use Stitcher to listen to our podcast. Stitcher's a little weird. You actually have to physically go to like the website know, for Stitcher. I know. That's a bummer. Reviews. So I'm going to be watching or, for you. Or like Apple Podcasts. Like you guys can rate and review us. That would be greatly appreciated. Because if you guys like the show and rate it high, that algorithm kicks up and other people may find us. So, yeah. um, and I will say that once we announce we're coming back, like, I know, I know you, Terry, you respond to some people. There's people like, I, this feels weird that like the greatest compliment is someone I don't know saying they like something, which is weird because it should be like, Oh, my friends and family care about yeah. what I do. I'm like, no total stranger loves what I do. You're more important than me. <laughs> like, yeah. We had a listener important. from Florida reach out yeah. to us and we really appreciate that. Yeah. And it's like, please like they just, it's great to find out where we're reaching and I hope you guys enjoy the show and I hope you guys enjoy uh, everything. I know I ramble and I get a little weird, but yeah, I hope Terry brings the sexy and you guys enjoy it. So what are we doing for Valentine's Day? Yes. So next episode, um, so two teases. So next literal episode of Strange Highways for Valentine's Day, we're going to do an episode of Tales from the Crypt, which if you guys don't own Tales from the Crypt, like how dare you? I don't own it. I own it all. Yeah, yeah. So you can come borrow it from me. You can come to Terry's place and borrow it or just watch it with him. I th- he'd be cool with that. Viewing party. Come yes. on, people. Season two, episode six. 
uh, which you guys can find on like Amazon for like three bucks and like other places. You guys could rent this for a very low amount of money um, called The Thing from the Grave. A supermodel and her photographer fall in love. When the model's abusive boyfriend learns of their affair, he sets out to kill the two of them. However, he soon gets a nasty surprise as love proves to be quite very strong, even in death itself. It has Miguel Ferreira. It has Terry Hatcher. We've not dug into Tales from the Crypt on this series so far. This will be a lot of fun. And I, I suggest that Terry, we're at the quarter mark of the season. It's been a lot of rough road. Let's just dig into something else. It's a good call. And I think something romantic is in the air for this one. Yeah, we're going to hold hands the entire time. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. So next episode of Twilight Zone, which I'm sure we'll mention again at the end of next episode, is actually called Death Ship. Uh, um, I'm just reading the tease for that. So if you guys want to skip Tales from, Tales from the Crypt, which why would you? But just letting you Don't know. Don't do that. Don't do it. Show me some love. Yes. Show I picked some that love on Valentine's Day. So, uh, <laughs> Mr. Richard Matheson lets his typewritten pay us typewritten typewriter pay us a return visit next time on Twilight Zone with a story called Death Ship. Now, this one is for science fiction aficionados, ghost story buffs, and any and all who file away clues with an eye towards outguessing the writer. Uh, next on Twilight Zone, Mr. Jacks Klugman, Mr. Jack Klugman, Ross Martin, and Fred Bear take an extended trip through space in a death ship. So that's going to be the next step of Twilight Zone. I'm sure we'll tease that again next time. Uh, so if you guys don't want to watch Tales from the Crypt, and why would you not? You guys can watch the next episode of Twilight Zone. We'll be back with that in two episodes. I feel like I owe Terry an episode of something that's not season four of Twilight Zone because it's been, it's been mixed. And I, I think we wanted to do something a little special for Valentine's Day. Absolutely. So when you guys get a chance to hear this, it's going to be on Valentine's Day. So tune in. Yes. Sorry. Right, let's go do it for us this week. Uh, uh, have a good week. Um, and in the meantime, uh, I don't know. Like, Don't just, conform. Just say your name. Just say your name over and over again. And somehow they'll be okay. I don't know. I got nothing. In many ways, the fire was a blessing of her life. What?